You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Hey, Greg, I've got a movie pitch for you. Hit me with it. I think we need to make a big sequel to Wonder Woman. It was a smash hit. Yeah, I love it. We're going to move it to the 80s. We're going to bring back Gal Gadot. We're going to bring back Chris Pine. Uh, didn't he die? Yeah, but we'll just have her make a wish, and he'll come back in some other dude's body. Okay, uh, are, there, are they still going to be romancing? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the podcast where our greatest wish is to make movies better. And welcome, everyone, uh, to our very first live uh, broadcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are joined by uh, our guest, uh, the proprietor of a wonderful website for cosplay gear, foamarmory.com. Please welcome Stephanie Chan. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, for joining us. Yeah. Um, we are discussing Wonder Woman 1984 today. WW84, as the, the, the hashtags call it. <laughs> it is a movie, and we saw it. Yeah. <laughs> for you. Perfect, perfect <laughs> finale to our, our season of uh podcasts uh we thought we'd do it live taking a little break after this and we're so happy 70's here to join us and all of you in the chat so uh yeah and then wonder woman here here for the the final run uh, <laughs> uh what was your uh, uh stephanie please tell us about um foam armory actually i'm i'm really excited to to learn about this website because i do a lot of uh, uh improvised dungeons and dragons and i will be hitting you up soon <laughs> oh i think i think we need to talk afterwards so foam armory is like the innovation of me and my business partner ben Eady. ben Eady's background is uh movie props and i myself actually have a background in uh, comic books i am a comic book colorist as well and uh we kind of teamed up in a steve jobsy Wozniak serendipitous <laughs> kind of way and uh started making uh foam armor components uh the first item that we created was the chain nail and um, that was an interesting journey because um, during the creation of that, um, Ben had a gig working in, um, on the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, actually, as the, one of the prop guys. He got sent to California, um, had this um, meeting with the, one of the California uh, prop guys named Adam Savage. You might know him from <laughs> Mythbusters. <laughs> Mythbusters? Adam Savage? And Adam got so excited with the product, he um, excitedly made a little podcast and put Ben on his show, on his uh, show called Tested. Uh, it's one of those little YouTube channel things. Mm -hmm. And um, once Ben came back to Calgary, we got together one morning for breakfast knowing that Adam was uploading the video. 
And we're like, oh, so I guess we're selling this thing, huh? We'll see what happens. So we made a little <laughs> website for it. And that weekend, we had 300 sales Amazing. of chain mail. Yeah. And then cool. since then, the pandemic happened. So nobody was cosplaying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we kind of like things were going along. We, we had sales over the pandemic, yeah. which was pre- actually fascinating because people were still finding things to do and get ready for maybe when we get out of it. Um, and then um, this year, we released the scale mail product that... Um, we put on Kickstarter. We asked for five thousand dollars. It ended up cracking forty-seven thousand um, dollars, and uh, it's a thing. Congrats! It's, it's off, to, off we go. Foam armorer. Yeah, and here I am. <laughs> very, very cool. Um, that was just. I was just very endeared by that that story and success. But uh, also, your background is in comics, so please a little a little about that as well. For sure, totally. Um, I was always. I grew up forever around comic books. Um, my sister was super heavy into it. Um, she's a and uh, she had like a massive collection already by the time I was born. And my mom actually was a big, big fan of, she had Action Comics, Detective Comics, and Mad Magazine's her ultimate favorite. Favorite. She actually has had every issue of Mad Magazine ever. Read them until the end, like last year. Wow. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I grew up in a comic <laughs> household. People ask that question, oh, what was your first comic book? I have no idea. My first yeah. comic book was whatever I tore through like it, my sister's. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Whatever my mom had to rebuy for my sister <laughs> was probably my first comic. <laughs> and um, and uh, so I always grew up around comic books. I've always had a big love of technology, entered digital coloring, and I got really into the idea of coloring comic books. And that's how I got uh, my first gig was actually on a comic called Marvel Knights um, as a flatter. So that's a colorist assistant. And I've been doing it on and off um, for, for the last 15 to 20 years, probably now, something like that. So cool. Incredible. That, yeah. Uh, well, that, that I'm glad to have a, a uh, bonafide comics expert with us today. This is, I guess, sort of for everyone, uh, including myself. What's like, before we get into the, the discussion of the movie and like, because there's lots to discuss. Um, what's your like, um, sort of relationship to, to Wonder Woman as a character, the, the Wonder Woman oeuvre, as, as Greg put it so eloquently, uh, <laughs> before the start here. Um, Scott, you a big Wonder Woman guy? <laughs> I mean, not really. I, I like some of the Justice League stuff. I definitely enjoyed the first movie quite a lot. Um, but, uh, outside of that, I can't really honestly say that I've, uh, that I've been a huge follower of Wonder Woman woman over the years that's more of a marvel yeah. reader if i'm honest too so <laughs> i'm much the same as scott like i haven't uh i didn't read any wonder woman wonder comics woman probably the uh the movie the the first wonder woman movie is my biggest touch point with it to be perfectly honest and i did enjoy that movie quite a bit uh, um i enjoyed this movie less so but we'll get into that <laughs> step um let's see i I was very much loved all of the girl power type comics um, and all, like all female superheroes was my big thing. Um, Black Canary and Zatanna might have been more of my favorites growing up, but I definitely had a big soft spot for Wonder Woman too because I know I had like a little tiny Wonder Woman bathing suit when I was five years old. There's actual photos of me in it that exist out there. Oh, I have <laughs> your earliest photo. cosplay. That I've is my that first photo. cosplay. Yeah, I use it as a Facebook profile at one point. Okay, I was like, it's a weird flex, Greg, but if it's on Facebook. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's all good. Steph and I go way back. I think we've known each other for 20 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been forever. Like, yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we're, we're way old friends, so it's all good. I went to the same college program way back in the day. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's true too. 
I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I, uh, I think my favorite, probably even my favorite DC thing is the j- animated justice league cartoon. The final season of which was called justice league unlimited. And that has like some great wonder woman moments, specifically the one where she like bets Batman that he can't sing or like he gets turned into a pig. I might be conflating too, but there's one where like Batman gets turned into a pig and then another one where he sings and it's all cause of wonder woman. Um, so I guess I know Wonder Woman tangentially through Batman. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's also the, the first movie would be my um, my biggest exposure. And that first movie kicked ass. That was It was like tight, top to bottom. Here's the weird yeah. thing about Wonder Woman as a comic. Um, was it really targeted at girls? I don't know that it was. In the beginning? Yeah. Like I, in general, I don't, I don't know that it was necessarily targeted at women, which... Because you had mentioned that you were into girl power comics. I'm not suggesting she's not uh, mm. a, a cool and kick-ass role model. Just um, it, it made me realize, was Wonder Woman ever really originally marketed to women as readers of comic books or to men as readers of comic books? Um, and I, I'm willing to bet that's boys. changed. But give my boys. boys. There's, yeah. like, bet there, there was a time when it was like comics weren't even for men. They were for, for boys. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I mean, if, if anyone in the live time. chat knows, you can, you can certainly <laughs> start commenting and, and let us know. Okay, well, there's a few things I'll add to this then. Um, I know there's a movie about, the, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's about the creator of Wonder Woman. And uh, he was uh, somewhat a feminist, but also very much into things like uh, female domination. That's Wonder Woman's oh, yeah. background. It's why, yeah, it's why she's got was- a lasso, like... Is my oh, yeah. understanding. Like, yes. At one point, yes. her secret weakness was that she lost her powers if you tied her up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that actually. No, that was way. Right. That was right. way early. Yeah. Way early yeah. in, in so the Wonder Woman so, stuff. So here's something. Here's something interesting. I think a lot of it too is back in the day. There was less. There was not so much of a gender. Uh, divisiveness in comic books kind of thing because like women and men boys and girls were all reading comic books of various kinds like up until i forget when it when it switched maybe in the 60s or so or after the uh that whole mess with the the comics code authority thing and, mm-hmm. and how comic books were evil and all that stuff but be yeah because um the way my mom described comic books, it was just like, oh, it's just another thing that you you picked up at the store almost kind of stuff. Now, here's something interesting, though. My mom actually did not like Wonder Woman comic books because she didn't like the art. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, Superman, Superman Batman's drawn way better. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I I'm looked like, up oh a picture God, of che- Cheetah earlier. Like, yeah. I Googled Cheetah, early, or Cheetah earlier, and there's, like, the first appearance of her. She looked like, like the weirdest, like, that O face with the eyes and the, those weird old comics are drawn. Curiously, sometimes. <laughs> um, cool. Well, this uh, this flick uh, came out in 2020, even though it's called Wonder Woman 1984. Um, not even though, just it's just fun to call it <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984 2020. Uh, directed by Patty Jenkins, uh, director of Wonder Woman and Monster. Uh, written by Patty Jenkins, uh, Jeff Johns from uh, DC Comics, and a guy named Dave Callahan did the grunt work by putting it to screenplay. The story by the other two. <laughs> Uh, of course, stars Gal Gadot as Diana Prince, aka Wonder Woman. Chris Pine as Steve Trevor. Kristen Wing as uh, Wig as Barbara Minerva, uh, and Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. Uh, Scott, you want to hit us with that trailer, and then we'll get into a little deeper film discussion. 
40 years after a man she knew for a few weeks died, Diana Prince Chris pines for him as she works by day at the Smithsonian and also by day as the vigilante hero Wonder Woman. After foiling an antiques robbery, Diana and her nerdy co-worker Barbara come into possession of a magic wishing rock. But failed oil magnate Maxwell Lord also wants the magic wishing rock, and he uses his position as a museum donor to get his hands on it. Soon... Everyone has their wish. Barbara is as cool and powerful as Diana. Diana has put the ghost of her dead boyfriend in another living human man's body. And Max is Jafar from the end of Aladdin, but without any of the downsides. With Max now granting everyone's wishes, society begins to unravel. And Diana needs to find a way to get everyone to renounce their wish in order to save the world. Also, Barbara is a cheetah now for some reason. <laughs> this movie this movie is good, but it can be better. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that should have been the damn intro. <laughs> I was sweating that intro, and I'm like, right there, you get the perfect. This is the whole reason we did it live. Justice got the point of the camera. Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, uh, the people who tune in for the recording of this won't be able to see that. But. I didn't guess what you did. <laughs> Probably put two and two together. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Uh, the. Um, I don't know about your guys' watch experience, but uh, like, I this is the second time I've watched it, and uh, the first time I saw it, um, the I I was really frustrated with Max Lord, and I kind of got I don't know laser focused on his motivation and like the mechanics of the wishing, and I was um, kind of angry watching for most of the movie, so I think that contributed to like me not being super plussed about it. Because this second time watching it around, um, I was um, much more uh, enjoying it. It was uh, like I I was laughing. There was a lot of good levity in it, um, which is something that DC movies don't always have, as we know. And, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't sweating the particulars of it as much. You know, yeah, it, it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a movie we did recently uh, called Signs, which you know, has lots of, like, logical problems, but, like, you know, overall, eh, it's fine. It's a fine watch. It's not unwatchable. It's a bit long, <laughs> but it's not unwatchable. Yeah. Um, it definitely could be trimmed down, that's, that's for sure. And I, I like this way more than Signs. I'm mostly on board for this movie. This is my first time with it, and pretty much up until, the, up until he barges into Ronald Reagan's office, I was, like, on board. <laughs> Um, pretty pretty no, silly and stupid, but it had a certain like levity to it that I, I I appreciated and was was happy to show up for. Up until the poster boards behind him was just like okay, that's like comedically convenient. Like there's there's contrived plot, you know, conveniences, and then there's literally the thing you need on three nice poster boards and a presentation behind you, and a president that is willing to. I know I'm getting into notes, but this is literally where I was like, love it, love it, love it, love it. I'm kind of over this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the description of what that device does, that satellite does from the president is just so much like technical jargon. And he's just willing to like announce it to this guy and the poster boards are there. It was too damn convenient. And this was 10 minutes after a plane turned invisible. Fine with that. That was great. Make, make the plane invisible. That was kind of stupid. There's also another convenient moment where they are in Egypt and they just like drive by Max Lord. And they're like, holy shit, 
That's the guy we're after. <laughs> There's a uh, lot of that in the movie I found. We're just like, oh, how convenient. Like, Cheetah suddenly got two wishes? Like, yeah. where'd that come from? Yeah, everyone <laughs> like, gets one wish until the Barbara. plot needs someone to get two wishes. <laughs> yeah, because we got to move this plot somewhere. Oh, wait. Yeah. Well, even turning the plane invisible. Yet. Uh, even turning the plane invisible is something like, oh, she can she can turn things invisible now, but she never does it again. Yeah. Convenient that she can do it that once. That yeah. one drove me nuts just because like it's such an easy fix to have her like, you know, in the you know, maybe in the early scenes where she's kind of sad and pining over Chris Pine, pun intended, I guess. The you know, the <laughs> You know, just have her, just have her, you know, a quick scene where she's trying to make a coffee cup disappear. You know, like, like, you know, at least, at least you can kind of like. Uh, I wonder if that got hint cut. at it. I and wonder I mean, if that's like they filmed that and then they cut it to make room totally. for uh, her dress power montage. only works on planes. That's how it is. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> well, they, they may have cut it to add a, an eleven-minute. Uh, cold open that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe they cut it and then someone turned it invisible and they couldn't find it again. Ah, <laughs> I got you. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Scott, Stephanie, overall thoughts? Um, well, here's the th I want to reel back even further before the movie starts, before the movie came out online, before <laughs> the pandemic. It had one of the best marketing campaigns i had seen in a while for a movie i was hyped like they were yeah. using like the blue monday music and like all of this the super crazy laser 80 colors and all like the you know that sort of like i don't know what to call it but it, it's it just had a certain tone to it and it seemed very fun and then they released this the the first scene actually were the, uh, the flashback on Paradise Island when uh, Diana was a child. Um, that's that whole sequence was fantastic, and like like they released that ahead of time too before the movie. And I was like, oh, this is wicked! Like this this is gonna be such a good movie. And then you get you actually go to you actually get you know Christmas Day watching the movie. You get that Paradise Island scene again. You're like, oh yeah, I'm so into this. And all of a sudden, it's the corniest mall sequence where it's just <laughs> over the top like like she just carelessly drops the bad guys on the car do they survive was there someone down there like like and it and it was just like honestly so so i watched it the first time and it was pretty cringy that scene for me um and then my second attempt to watch it with with my roommates and they they did not last past the mall scene like they were oh, they really? i think yeah they seriously they, it was just like <laughs> they were done they were so done at that point and gave up on it um so my my, my second viewing is actually not until like rewatching it now for this uh, podcast kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> was it was it was it this guy was it this guy that made them <laughs> stop watching or or this guy the guy who suddenly uh, just decides that he's going to uh, attempt to drop a child <laughs> off a balcony or threaten to do so. Like, that was a weird moment. I that felt. was a very odd moment, too. That was like, it's like, what's going on here? Well, what was it's, his plan was like, there? I don't know. And it was like weirdly 
kitty and it was okay so that scene was weird because the tone that was setting up for it was like over-the-top kid-friendly kind of thing and now here we are terrorizing children and it's kind of yes. like how am i supposed to feel right now i don't know <laughs> like what's going on but um you know, I kind of like, I was like, okay, whatever. They were, maybe they were going for something really cheesy and something and I'm missing the joke. <laughs> and I just kind of like blew it off there. Yeah. But, um, but as, and then we started getting into the movie more. And then I found it interesting because there's a lot of bits I like about the movie, but, and I absolutely hate how it's all put together in the end though. And uh, second viewing for me, actually, it was actually made it harder for me to watch, to be honest. It was just kind of like, oh, it's cringing more this time. Oh. <laughs> That's an I hadn't really thought about that perspective on that particular scene because I was mostly, I'm like, oh, it's in a mall. I bet they shot it in an empty mall no one was using. Like, I was just kind of like on board for it um, until more hindsight than any point in the movie when you realize that those guys weren't just like desperately robbing an antique store, but they were like trying to get the wish stone, right? Like those were... Were those Maxwell Lord's goons? It's implied, but it's not explicit. Yeah, that yeah, we don't, it'll tie to my fix. That was where, like in hindsight, I'm like, wait a minute, that was a a wishstone heist <laughs> next to like a like a fountain. Like, yeah. Um, the that. origin of the wishstone is a problem for me, but that yeah. I I uh, I like that scene until you realize the stakes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just returning to the fights, uh, just really, really briefly. Elena and Chat says she has the, uh, or they have a huge problem with the the fights in this movie. Uh, none of the moves have any weight or impact, and I, yeah, I kind of, I don't know if I have a huge problem with it. I, I think the the camera movements were really good, um, but definitely um, certain certain moves did feel really weightless and have little impact. And, I, and I'm thinking of um, the chase scene in Egypt specifically. Um, even when, like when the, the scene where Wonder Woman is like running down the, uh, down the highway there, that felt particularly weird and weightless and floaty. The, uh, the fight with Cheetah as well at the end is really kind of, it's, it's really fakey. It's like it feels like we're able to see that fight because I couldn't see shit in that fight. It, it's not easy. Uh, <laughs> well, and they're clearly trying to hide the fact that it's largely CGI mm -hmm. with making it dark, which they did in Venom, they did in Black Panther. Um, and it's it it still looks real fake. It's not a technology that's gotten better. Practical effects are better. Mm -hmm. So did you say Black Panther? Yeah, the the fight I, at the I, end between Killmonger and uh, yeah. T'Challa, where they're dark. falling, it's very fake. Oh, that's fair. I was like, that whole scene, and the person I saw that movie with was like, it's a rather nice day for a battle. Oh, uh, no, there's there's <laughs> a lot of good in Black Panther. It's just that yeah, but the, particular the, that, the, I'm thinking of the big the, the big fight scene where it's yeah, in yeah. a beautiful, sunny African sky. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The, them fighting in the mine at the end. Is yeah. dark the the, the yeah. Amano, Amano battle at yeah. the end. Yeah, at the yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it was an almost entirely CG, that fight, so... I think that's kind of what what made it feel less fun for me. But I guess enough about Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the point the point stands. A different cat character now. Yeah, the point stands though. Uh, turning down the lights to hide the bad CGI just makes it so that you can't follow the fight. It's it's just as bad. It's worse, arguably. I'd rather have a cartoony fight that I can see <laughs> clearly and follow uh, than something that's that's like kind of being obscured. Well, now great. Wonder Woman is a complete set because the first movie gave us a very bright, overly 
computer graphic fight that was anticlimactic, and now we have the dark one. I suppose. <laughs> in her in her super Amazon armor that does nothing and gets shredded by Cheetah in an instant. I mean, yeah. It looks good in marketing, was- though. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, that, I didn't get the that armor because they it was it was supposed to repel like the entire armies of men, right? And then it gets absolutely shredded by I guess I guess she's an apex predator. Does that mean <laughs> she she's, she's the not apex an army of men destroying it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> See Lord of Rings. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's got the loophole. She was she was a lady cat person. Also, this is the second uh this is the second DC superhero now who has fought a cat related supervillain who was tied to a businessman named Max. Just going to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of Max Lorks, I, I want to talk about uh, keeps and cuts a little bit because yeah. I think the, the, the problems with this movie kind of start and stop with Max Lord and his motivations. And, and of course, because he is, he does become the wishing stone and the wishing stone itself has problems. Like it really is just like all about that guy. Right. Like the, the rules to the, the wishing stone are a a little unclear. We talked about how the, uh, uh, you know, certain people get two wishes and everyone else gets one. It was also unclear to me at first why he was announcing what he was taking in return. And then it would just happen. And it didn't dawn on me that that was just him automatically extracting a price until like the third time he did it. Yeah. The the cause and effect of the monkey's paw aspect of the wishing stone isn't immediately apparent. Like there's a guy in the, in the very beginning who wishes for a cup of coffee when he's in the vicinity of the wishing stone, right? And then he just gets a cup of coffee. Does but nothing bad happens to him. So we never immediately realize yeah. that he just spilled a cup of coffee of, on himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would have been really simple to do that, right? Just like just show yeah, he gets the coffee and then at the end of the scene he spills it all over himself by th- some sort of ha- weird happenstance. Part of me I want to say he does, but I might just not remember this movie very well. I don't um. I don't remember it. If it, yeah. I mean, I've seen this movie twice and I don't remember that. Fair. So it's probably, it, I probably, I think it's just wish. If it was done, it was not done explicitly enough for my taste. And if that's the case, but even so like uh, both Diana and Cheetah um, have, they, they, they both get their wishes slowly over time. And, and that rule isn't clear either because like lots of other people just get their wishes immediately. Um, especially when uh, Pedro Pascal is becomes the wishing stone. So it, it, it doesn't help that like selling the monkey's paw aspect of it uh, because both the main characters who have already had wishes and we know we've had wishes that are coming true, aren't experiencing the uh, uh, deleterious effects of it immediately. Mm-hmm. We also haven't addressed the, uh, the weird man ghost in the room yet. <laughs> Because there, that's there are hugely three, problematic. There are three problematic problems with this yes. movie. So and, we'll and bang them out them, if you want. Before. And one of them is yeah. Chris Pine inhabiting another human man's body. Not even like a coma patient or something. Like some dude who went to bed one night and then woke up like three weeks later not remembering anything that happened. Because Chris Pine was in his body that whole time. And Wonder Woman had sex with that body. Mm-hmm. And that is real gross. <laughs> and later on, the wishing stone 
makes nukes out of thin air. So why couldn't it have just materialized a fully alive Chris Pine? Why did he need to be in another body? Yeah. That does not make sense. It's clearly not the downside of him being brought back because that's her mm -hmm. losing her powers. And it barely comes up as a plot point. Yeah. And honestly, that's a super easy fix. Why doesn't he just materialize instead? <laughs> like, and then we don't have that whole problematic aspect of it is gone. The, the fix is like, right in front of their nose. And this is so because the fix is so glaringly obvious, I started thinking like, why did they make this mistake? What was the, like the reasoning behind it? And best I can figure like Occam's razor, it was like this. Plus they didn't think about it any further. They didn't want Chris Pine to just strut into the room because then she'd be like, Oh my God, a ghost or, Oh my God, an illusion or just like, yeah, so, no, something goes up. They wanted that moment where some weirdo is like, I wish I had more time. And then what, how did you say that? It's like, it's me. Look me. It's a watch me. Uh, and have that moment where like her and us realize Chris Pine is here, which I get the, like wanting to do that. I get that's like a nice incentive to create that moment. But it's at the expense of this, like, cookies. It's cookies. weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very strange decision. And I, I think you're 100% right that that's exactly the reason why that they, they wrote it specifically for that moment. And then, uh, and you get that nice, I guess you get the nice moment at the end where she gets to, to see him, see him one more time. Um, yeah. Nice moment. Where she has an nice awkward, an where, awkward yeah. meet with a man whom she has already seen naked. Yeah, <laughs> I would get that Who more looked at. Any of it. <laughs> um, so one of the other problematic points, I, and I can't really speak to this, but uh, someone I was talking to pointed out that just like the the conflict, the early conflict between uh, uh, Barbara and Diana is a bit of a like women pulling down other women angle. Which is is not chill, but I, I probably last guy to share insights on that. Uh, just want to point it out. <laughs> um, actually, I'll expand on that a little bit. I kind of almost thought the beginning of the movie it was going to be about privilege more, um, and that that would be kind of the theme around uh, things like privilege and entitlement. Sort of like where Barbara comes from, this background where everything's she's feel like everything in the world is like stacked up against her, and Diana has everything super easy handed to her. Like that's kind of like I thought where we were going to go with this, and um, and early on, I thought I actually thought exactly that's probably where we're going to go with this too, because we have Max Lord, the, the you know the the smarmy supposed billionaire or whatever thing coming in too on top of it, but in the end, it was became more of a story about people like cheating to get what they want and and losing things that they value was kind of what it was <laughs> and somehow that was so much less interesting <laughs> the, the way it developed i don't yeah, know it was it, it ended up being about greed um which was weird because the movie wanted to make a big to do about truth mm -hmm. and and the question mm. that i asked Liam and Scott in in our you know pregame chat was our wishes lies because like <laughs> if I had cancer and then I wish not to have cancer, is that a lie? Like it's, it's, also, a, it's a weird connection to, to do with the, like the fact that it like, which God made this, it was some kind of like trickster God or something. Yeah, like it was a like God a, who wanted to fuck with you and wasn't actually trying to like, was trying to coax greed and shittiness out of people. Not actually like 
the movie does definitely presuppose though that everyone in the world is making a selfish wish Mm -hmm. and that absolutely no one would wish for like a family member to recover from an illness or for to feed their children or something like that like they're all going to make some terrible destructive wish and society is going to unravel and that's a really cynical view of humanity it's the but, Steve Martin Christmas wish sketch in just <laughs> writ large. <laughs> but okay, so you have that cynical view, but all of a sudden everybody got together to save the world by giving up their very selfish wish. And I really honestly had a hard time buying into that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, everybody actually saved the world by like giving up the, their, their selfish wish. Um, <laughs> that, and there's that, a fix for that too, because you could have Maxwell Lord be the linchpin for it all. And when he renounces his wish, every wish goes away. Mm-hmm. That would have been an easy fix. Exactly. Yeah, there he is. Very silly. The wind that has no point. <laughs> I do want to say when when uh, Stephanie was talking a moment ago, I made like a, a an O face because I had a weird revelation. Do you think because this movie like tried to start off with a theme of like cheating is wrong? Do you think that was the theme they chose because they couldn't call her cheetah? <laughs> Oh um, no! no. <laughs> uh, Why are you doing this on our live show? Leah? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Why> my you... <laughs> what if she she's not a cheat? Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, the third problematic part I had with this movie—just perfect segue—the um, whole scene where he gives the first like um, Middle Eastern prince a wish, and the guy wishes for all of the people to be who aren't from his homeland to be gone and out and for his homeland to be his homeland and have total control of it, I feel like is a conversation you should not, like, should not be having in a movie where your star is part of the IDF or was served in the IDF. Like, it just, it just was, like, just avoid that altogether. Like, the fact that Gal Gadot, like, won't say the word Palestine is... Maybe don't do like it's it's something like the next movie Kevin Spacey is in. It should not be about like an inappropriate gay relationship. Just don't just avoid avoid it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why fair, was think, that a choice? I think this movie was filmed before all that happened. So Israel and Palestine has been a conflict for no, but before decades. before before it blew up around her. Because that I'm no, pretty sure no, that came no, up. No, no, this has been criticism of her from day one. Really? Yeah. Maybe I just hadn't heard it. Yeah, I think, as I recall, I don't remember what it was, but she said some really questionable things about uh, Palestine in the run up to Wonder Woman '84. So yeah, that was it was it it it, 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 it yeah it definitely put and it, of course she was part of their army too. It, yeah, but it definitely put that in people's heads and that. And though the the scene, uh, you know, with with this gentleman that we're we're talking about on screen here in Egypt, like that uh, that's what set everyone off, um, you know, mm-hmm. set off their their alarm bells. Mm. So yeah, I have I have a a fix for it uh, when we get to that part of it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, just a just it, it and it's i'm not even trying to come like we're not the podcast to break down the israel palestine conflict no. however you Ooh. feel about it just i was just saying maybe avoid it maybe it's not superhero movie conversation yeah. i i think that the wall the wall specifically i think was the yeah. thing that really like, really cheesed people off and then like i uh, yeah i get it i mean I, i'm not i'm not particularly versed in that and that uh, uh, saga uh, world event uh, either. So I don't want to speak to it too much, but yeah, I do. I do understand why that, uh, that became a little bit problematic for people. For sure. 
So, so what did y'all like about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, we were talking about the, the intro is great. I actually like that cartoony. Uh, uh, you know, if it did feel 80s, it felt like a like a kind of like an 80s movie and a, and a callback to, um, you know, um, the original like Wonder Woman TV show and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was nice to see Wonder Woman bright and in color. Um, you know, even even the past Wonder Woman was was pretty dark, and and I get that because it is a World War One movie after all, and and it's it you know the subject matter sort of warrants more muted colors just to you know match the scene. But this is this is you know the I love seeing the the Wonder Woman costume bright and just the the whip was awesome. Like it just it looked cool every time she took it out, and um, I love the effects of it. I I really really love the whipping of the lightning. Although I wish it was a more of a dramatic moment when she does it it's just it's more like she when she does it in the movie like when you saw it in the trailer you're like holy shit that's amazing and then when she does it in the movie it was like she was just doing a u-turn to go back home and i'm like well that's a little <laughs> less exciting <laughs> she's like oh i forgot my armor at home i gotta go get it that's what i liked no one else <laughs> oh, I, 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 I liked all of the performances. I didn't necessarily like the way the characters were written or um, some of the character arcs, but I think that uh, in particular, I think that uh, uh, Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal are both good in this movie. Mm -hmm. I don't want to suggest that they're not by any stretch. It's just, again, their, their characters are a little muddled. Um, the movie has a lot of good ideas. It's just the execution is really poor and it, doesn't settle on one idea it is kind of just like all over the place and that's not helping it but some of the ideas it's toying with are neat and are are different uh things than than a superhero movie generally does i like that diana in both films has i mean she's had drag out fights with bad guys but in the end it's not hitting the bad guy the hardest that wins her the day in the first movie, it's like making a plea for uh, humanity's ability to love. In this one, it's her making a plea for humanity's uh, ability to be honest. Um, that, like, she inspires people to be better. I kind of like that as as a better through line than I punched Red Skull so hard he flew into space and disappeared for six movies. Um, that's we've seen that a lot. It's nice to see something different. I don't, again, I don't know that it was executed perfectly, but I like that they're at least trying to do something different with her. And that is good. I liked the cameo. The cameo was sweet. I, I, I have to agree with almost everything Scott just said. Like, I did super appreciate that. It wasn't just the typical, uh, another boring and um, villain dies. That's it. Move on to the next guy. Kind of, kind of ending that all the Marvel movies and most of the DC movies have been suffering from for the last while here. So yeah. that 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 was definitely refreshing. Um, I almost, I got, I, I know we're talking about the good stuff. Um, so I'm gonna like highlight Cheetah a little more. I thought, I thought, especially in the first act, I thought uh, Kristen Wiig was like just phenomenal. And um, even though I was obviously not a fan of the Cheetah special effect. I mm -hmm. wish they had more cheetah because I just felt yeah. like all they I almost felt like they had two villains going and it was like too crowded and then we all of a sudden we dropped off on the cheetah character development 
So in the end, it was just kind of like, oh, 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 we, we remember to put her back in the movie here and have her have another scene here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of feeling. And this, this might be tiptoeing into change territory, but this just dawned on me. It might have been interesting to, and, and I uh, bear with me because this delves into moving into a second part, but it might have been interesting to have Kristen Wiig get her hands on the Wishing Stone in this movie. And for her to be the main villain and have Max just in the background. And then at the end of the movie, have him get the wishing stone and be like, ah, now, and maybe even have learned about its power from being in the background in this movie and then set him up for the next movie to be the big villain. Uh, yeah, maybe. How, but I, I again, that, that, that tiptoes into, into sequel territory. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, Scott. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that as, as Stephanie was mentioning more Cheetah, like a, a way to get Cheetah into it maybe a little bit more would be to have have her wish off the bat be, uh, I want to be an apex predator um, uh, because there's an opportunity to do that because she does get attacked and accosted. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, she's in a vulnerable place and uh, perhaps she could, instead of, um, having made her wish right off the top, she could go back to her office to sort of recover a little bit and then make that wish. Um, and you can still, you can still play out slowly if that's what you want it to do, but then you can kind of, you don't have to, you've, you've already introduced in the audience mind that yes, there's a, there's a, a cheetah, <laughs> you know, there's an apex predator sort of call out there and that I get why she's suddenly turning into cheetah. She's got fur or whatever. I know yeah, we've made it because we've got a spammer in the chat right now. Yeah. <gasps> oh boy. Um, well, Hi, spammer. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll just my thought. I, I agree with everything Scott said. I I like the ideas of traffic sin and the tone. It reminded me of um, the 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 I don't know seventies or eighties, but the first Superman movies. It had that kind of like just like is this fun? It's a fun thing we're doing here. It doesn't have to be ironically fun. It doesn't have to be dark and gritty to be. It's just like, it's just going to be a fun thing. Like Power Rangers energy. Um, so uh, that that's, I like that the tone and the ideas. Um, but yeah, we have that spammer there and uh, we're going to just try to beat them at their own game. Cause we also have sponsors. <laughs> we have our own ads to hug. Um, so we are going to uh, just uh, we got some messages from uh, the folks at the Alberta podcast network. Uh, and uh, then we'll go into our fixes and changes. Bonafide notes. Uh, <clears throat> I know we, Scott, we didn't discuss this ahead of time, but I'm doing <laughs> the first one. You're doing the second one. Okay. <laughs> I've just been told that I am reading an ad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, this was this isn't news to you. Um, <laughs> speaking of news, this episode is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. You want uh, want to start your day informed? Sure, you do. I do. I don't want to wake up every morning just an ignorant buffoon. I want to start my day informed, so I'm going to check out. And so should you check out the Pulse Taproot's new daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a bit of whimsy. Hmm, some whimsy to go with my informed morning. Perfect. You'll also get a bit of whimsy from features such as, um, uh, features such as A Moment in History, Chart of the Week, and the Friday Podcast Pick. And it's free. That's the best part. It's free. So sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. 
That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode of I Have Some Notes, I just about said the read along, <laughs> is uh, <laughs> you did. the Edmonton Community <laughs> Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Overdue Finds, an Edmonton Public Library podcast. Bryce Crittenden and Carolyn Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news about Edmonton. It's a great way to learn more about what's happening at EPL and about how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in person and online services. To listen and find out more about Overdue Finds, head to EPL dot ca slash podcast just a little epl note actually if you have a library card there's an online streaming service called canopy which you can access for free you get 10 credits a month they have a great selection of movies especially classic movies i cannot recommend it enough if you're a movie fan and i'm assuming you are because you're tuned into our show uh you should definitely check it out so a little free plug there uh you can get free access to canopy through the edmonton public library right now Scott's in the pocket of big library. Don't listen I'm in to the, I'm in the pocket of big, of big library. Absolutely. Uh, so what do we have for fixes for wonder woman 84? Um, just a quick note uh, for the chat. Like if, if you want to start shouting out your, your fixes uh, for the wonder woman, just, uh, just start throwing them out there and we'll, uh, we'll get to them as you put them up. Well, I'd, I'd like to, to start because I, much like you, uh, really was on board for most of this movie, except for the weird <laughs> thoughts, parts they should have thought way more about <laughs> that they don't need our notes for. Like, they're just more hindsight and a slap upside the head for some of those. Um, but for Bonafide, like, story story notes, um, I really had a problem with, like, the origin of the Wish Stone from the fact that a bunch of buffoons in a mall try to steal it from an antique store to the fact that it's just rolling around on her desk. Um, I just, it, like, either it's FBI evidence or it's not, you know? Like, it, it, it is handled with no, no gravitas until Maxwell Lord, or Max Lord gets his hands on it. Um, so I just, I would have liked it just treated with like a little more reverence. Um, or like Scott was saying, have Maxwell learn about it over the course of this movie to set up a second one. But it just, the fact that they're fighting over a paperweight, seemed really strange to me. Um, but moreover, Maxwell has a, his whole Max, I think I've ever actually, the character in the comics is Maxwell Lore, but I think they call him Max for the whole movie. Um, his whole thing is like, I get that he wants to become the wish stone. And so he can hand it out. That makes more sense than what I initially thought was like, he's going to get the stone and just wish for there to be oil on the land he bought. That was bad. That was my assumption. And then he's like, I won't be the wish stone. Great. Cool. Um, to get rid of the weird Palestine park that I was talking about. I think the first wish that his investor friend who like back instead of being like, fuck you, I'm going to get you. It's like, buddy, just hold this and wish for there to be oil on our, or hold my hand. Cause he's turned himself in the wish stone and wish there to be oil on the land we bought. Ding, 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 ding. Great. This guy gets it. Then he starts going around. He starts taking other people's land. He's just going to control all land the way, like, um, uh, kind of like Gene Hackman in the Superman movie. Wants to do. <laughs> I, was like, say. Just, I want to throw back to as much of the Christopher Reeve Superman as I can. Cause that's classic. 
Um, well, and also like I 80s think this movies. movie tried to do that. To be honest, yeah. I was talking yeah. to another friend of mine who saw it, and yeah, they're very much like, "Oh no, this movie definitely does a lot of throwbacks." And then when he said that, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's that's so true." Um, Jeff Johns is a huge, huge, huge like Donner Superman guy, right? So yeah. that's that's where this all comes from. So and then so just to to bring my my thought all home because it's all just the one pass on his his motivations. Um, the thing with his son hating him, like he's worried his son is going to hate him. They need to amp that up more and more often. So every time he gives somebody a wish, his son, and, and therefore gets his wishes essentially, like gets him more power. His son should just be like much more distant and, and that, that, that relationship needs to wither quickly, more quickly and, and more severely than it does. And I don't think he needs to just cut the whole thing with the satellite. He doesn't need to give everybody wishes. He just needs to give like too many people wishes, whether that's yeah. a dozen, whether that's 20. And then they come back to him like, what have you done to us? You curse of the monkey paw fucked us. And now we're going <laughs> to pissed at you. And that's his him and Wonder Woman's big moment at the end. Isn't convincing everybody in the world to give up their wish. Just these like other assholes who he tricked power hungry idiots who he tricked. To, to give up their greed. Um, that actually is interesting. Cause I, I had asked in the chat after I watched the movie, is this canonical Snyder verse? Because if it is, it's weird that no one ever once mentioned at that time that a man went on television around the world, granted everyone wishes and the world nearly ended. <laughs> <laughs> and that superheroes are apparently super hush hush after that. Like, Really? Because that happened in yeah. the 80s. Does nobody remember when that e- happened? Every, everyone 80s? had Wonder Woman beamed into their mind. They all yeah. know who Wonder Woman is. <laughs> so she <laughs> shouldn't exactly be a surprise when she shows up to fight Doomsday. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, that uh, your um, your tweaks to Max Lord are good. I, I, I think with his son, I, 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 love the, I, I love the idea of like the, the wish the wishes running back on the son where he keeps hating his father more and more. And I think it'd be uh, really interesting to have uh, to, to, to not have Maxwell Lord be like a total uh, absent father the mm-hmm. way that he is. Like he, like he seems to be just bothered by his son mostly throughout the movie. Um, I think it, it would be better motivation for him to be um, desperately trying to do right by him but he's he's ignoring his son because of it like he's so fixated on um trying to uh you know uh care uh provide for him um and he gets you know he gets seduced by the greed and i don't i don't like i don't think he should know about the stone at all like he he should just happen upon it the way that everybody else does and um you know he just kind of you know thinks like well if you wish like i would just wish for all the wishes you know that kind of thing or something like that so but that 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 would that would allow his character to be much more sympathetic and that as he's granting people's wishes he's becoming more and more seduced by the stone and then he you know and it, you know he keeps paying for it more and more the more he does it so it makes so it, it makes more sense at the end when he has uh, uh a mia culpa Right. And or 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 a change of heart, you know, that uh, that he he recognizes that his son uh, is more important to him than all the all the success in the world and stuff. And then he gives it up because as written right now, it just doesn't really it doesn't really grok that he that he cares that much about his son that that he gives it all. It's very implied. Everything you said is (laughs) 
There's a script writing um, mechanic, I want to say. Well, um, that, and and it's not just script, uh, for narrative fiction, that um, part of the way you get a good character is by having them pulled between their wants and their needs. And it's interesting because you've, you've got it built into this movie, but you don't really exploit it. And you guys are kind of talking about that here. Max wants the power of the stone needs the relationship with his son. And by further going after his want, he's getting farther and farther away from what he needs. And that could be tied into Cheetah and Diana as well with their wishes that they're, their wants are interfering with their needs. But again, the movie doesn't go far enough with that. And it could, and that, that would be more interesting and it would be a more interesting theme. Like what you think you want, isn't necessarily what you need. Cheetah wanting to be an apex predator, wanting to be a sexy, powerful, self-empowered woman is necessarily what she needs. Um, and, Diana wanting her di- her boyfriend who she knew for a couple weeks back 40 years ago back to life is what she wants but isn't necessarily what she needs and part of the journey is especially for Diana she's our hero and she needs to self-actualize before the villains is her realizing oh this isn't what I need and I need to let go of this desire in order to get what I need and in order to help lead other people to realize that and I think that maybe that's like a fundamental thematic fix for this movie. And I think you guys mm-hmm. hit upon it while talking about fixing Maxwell Lord's motivation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, like, like, I think that's a very fine tuned way that they should have approached the movie. Cause the movie was more like, instead of doing the want and need, it was more like you have a wish, which should be the want. Right. But then, uh, you're cheating, like, your wish is cheating, um, to get, to get this want. And then you're losing something that you value kind of thing. But I think if it was the more direct want versus need, I think yeah. that would strike home with a much more powerful message. It even ties into the cold open because she wants to win the relay race or the, mm-hmm. it's not a relay race. She wants to win the race. She needs to grow from it. And you, now you've thematically tied that in with the rest of the movie. And I'm, and I'm sure someone who wrote this movie thinks that's all there. But like it got lost in the, the <laughs> editing somewhere or in the like too much time, you know, in invisible plane. Like it, it all seems very like the lightest of implied. Everything we're discussing is like just they, they just dabble in it. They're just like, wouldn't maybe <laughs> this I did. So. Uh, interesting suggestion coming in from Lena. Um, what if when the son uh, wished for his dad to be there, it traps Max? I think that's actually kind of a really interesting idea. Like, it, or you know, it could be it could be something that uh, Wonder Woman could use against Max, if possible. I know that, like in the climax, as written, they're kind of separated, but uh, you can bring that all together. I don't really like the the whole satellite thing, and I like yeah. your fix, Liam, where we basically nix all that anyway. Um, it it yeah, it's um. 12, a dozen, a dozen land owning people from around the world, a bunch of his assistants and a couple joke characters from the beginning all come like almost zombified crawling back to be like, what have you given us? Like yeah. the, he's the monkey pod dealer. So that's, they all come at one and that's it. And then it's the same thing, but it's not everybody on earth. Yeah. Um, I do. Speaking of Lena's comment here, I actually thought even that's might've been where they were going. Cause at one point the kid touches the knee and wishes that my greatness was his greatness. 
And I'm like, oh, d- is the kid the stone now? Is that the rub? And there's no, that I don't understand if that ever came back up. Like, yeah. yeah. But I almost felt like the kid, they, they almost didn't know what to do with the kid. We have this kid, and obviously we, we need Max to play off this idea of this kid, because the kid will save Max, basically. But it just, the whole time, it just felt like, well, we don't know what to do with him, so he's just off to the side to like, oh, we need you for a scene kind of thing. It's, it's Speaking of contrivances, it's also weird at the end that he catches a ride back on the presidential helicopter he no longer has any authority over to the exact place where his son happens to be lurking in the bushes. Just run out of the woods. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's a lot of convenience. In <laughs> it's, it's real convenient. Also, we get no closure with Barbara. She's just, we see her like on a cliff human again, and it's just like, what happened there? What what happens to them? Did what happens to the wish? bad guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tune in next time. <laughs> yeah. Like we get we get a crumb of closure with Maxwell Lord. We get nothing for Barbara except that she's Mm-mm. not a cheetah anymore. Yeah. Oh, we think she's not a cheetah anymore. Is that just to to presume she gave up her wish too? She learned the errors of her way after being electrocuted. I thought Maybe. she died. Like that was my read of it when it when it first happened. I was like, "Oh, goodbye." <laughs> yeah. you, you were electrocuted to death. That that particular scene bugged me logic wise too, because like Diana was also in the water. Like they're both underwater, and then she I don't know she pushes her towards like a a, a broken electric, electrical cord. But like, why? It's a conductor. Why isn't Diana also being fried? Oh, because she's Wonder Woman. I she's guess. immune to lightning, I guess. But like, same yeah, same but way she ran down the highway. That makes no sense because she's her first wish was to be like Diana. So like she's presumably got all the same powers, right? Yeah. Oh, there. can she turn things invisible? Uh, once. Oh. <laughs> this is unraveling. Oh. We we almost got it all into a nice little fix. And then it's just unraveling. It just comes right back apart. Oh no. <laughs> this movie so is hard. a don't air. <laughs> One small want it to things. be good. It seems like a good idea. <laughs> I uh, I read somewhere that they the um, uh, Warner Brothers had actually asked Patty Jenkins to remove one of the two opens to this movie. Like either keep the uh, the scene in Themyscira or the mall scene, and she refused <laughs> because that's the kind of clout you have after I guess you you do a huge super successful superhero movie. She just was like, nope. Um, but I, I think the studio was actually right on that. Yeah. I think that was the right call. I think either, I think either you truncate that scene to something very short and tight, where it's just a quick lesson about um, Diana, or a d- quick scene about Diana's greed or inability to let go of something, um, and then you move right to um, the mall scene. You don't need; it, it didn't need to be uh, twelve minutes or whatever, whatever it was. Yeah, I actually have. I want to use that as a fix. Fix. Like I said, my problem with the the stone is that it's like it, it that it falls into this this antique store in a mall. Cut the mall scene altogether, fun as it is, um, and you just have the bad guy like the bad guys getting the stone, and somehow it and then like the FBI catch him somehow. It makes still makes its way to Barbara, but or then just, you can actually have like a cool heist scene instead of this bumbling mall nonsense. You have the Smithsonian Museum right there for a heist. Just have it be in the Smithsonian. It just yeah. it could have just been there, and they just didn't know what they had because it's just an old. It's they thought it was a fake. 
So it's just in storage somewhere, but you, you had it at the Smithsonian. You could have had the heist at the Smithsonian, <laughs> which would have been a great set piece for a heist. Cause and it's then, the Smithsonian. <laughs> and then it's not even like cool, cool um, goons, like running in to steal it. Max still makes his donation and in his donation, you know, uh, uh, cre- uh, credibility, like steals it in that moment. Like he uses the fact that he's a donor to this, this thing to, to steal it himself. Um, right, I guess, right. then or, does, or he, I mean, he could, he could use that moment to sort of like case the joint, I guess. Case it, or, that's better. Yeah. Cause like, how does, how does what's her name touch it first? Diana well, you guys and, opened and, up the new, new issue here because the whole point of WW84 is it's 1984 and we need to have the mall because that apparently that's the embodiment of the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Smithsonian should move into the mall, have a kiosk. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what it was. Where, okay, where could we put a mall? Where else in the movie does a mall go? <laughs> Palestine. Cut up Palestine. It's yeah. a mall instead. <laughs> I mean, you could have a set piece with Cheetah at the mall. You don't have yeah. to have Diana involved in it. Uh, when she starts coming into her own, there's no reason that the dude who accosts her couldn't have accosted her at the mall. And then she beats up a bunch of a bunch of like him and his buddies at the mall, and like wows a bunch of people and feels really powerful and like starts getting her delusions of grandeur after that. Like you, you just switch the person who's in the mall. Yeah. That's actually great. And then, and then we also address mall pickup artists. Yeah. That the person was. harassing her shouldn't have been out. That guy shouldn't have been outside the Smithsonian. You know, those creeps who hang outside the Smithsonian <laughs> yeah. and harass women. Um, yeah. Put that guy in a mall and then just have her seen whole happen in a mall. Great. Nailed it. You could, you could have Diana there and be surprised that this is happening. It, Especially uh, when she's there with her fully corporeal, with her corporeal boyfriend having a shopping montage. Who's, who's not possessing because yes, he just got here and he's and, and is not possessing another man and stealing yeah. his clothes. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Totally. <laughs> Lena and chat says we also need to have a, an 80s shopping montage. hundred yeah. percent. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Barbara and, and Diana take, take him to the mall and there's the montage. Oh, and then yeah. the pickup artists oh, go after yes. Barbara and she beats them up. She, she fucks Boom. off the orange Julius. They go off to do their thing. Exactly. And it's when they part oh, ways yes. that chaos happens. And maybe that's when she turns into a cheetah earlier. And Diana's like, where did Barbara go? And who's that cheetah? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like that. Um, I guess we should get further into listener comments. We've got a we've got a couple that have been uh, been saved for us. Um, Nathan Martin has actually made into chat. Hello, Nathan. Um, he's got a, he's got a comment in the, in the show notes there, written Liam, if you want to read it. Yeah. In classic, I have some notes style. We're going to read the listener comments. Nathan Martin says, uh, I felt like this movie was two movies at once. Everything with the Wishstone guy, uh, everything with Wishstone guy is one movie and Wonder Woman is another movie. This movie has some really fun sequences in it, but it's a movie without any rules at all. I think that's true. The, the, we, you came in a little late, Nathan. We had already talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> the characters in this movie can do, or in some cases cannot do, things simply because the plot needs them to. I would go into a ton of fixes, but I'm sure you find people will do just uh, will do that on the show. Oh, thanks, Nathan. Uh, I had fun with parts of the movie, uh, but in the end, I think they just needed one villain for Diana that would complete whatever the theme of the film was trying to do. We touched on that. I had suggested maybe using Cheetah as the main villain in this one and and pushing Maxwell Lord to the background to be set up for another movie. But I think we've kind of started to figure out a way that it could work. Mm-hmm. Though I'm I'm still not certain 
in our fixed movie, how we get Barbara and Max together in the end, except maybe just that Barbara doesn't want the wishes to go away because she's super powerful now and really self-confident and has what she wants, if not what she needs. Yeah. Maybe she's she's in earshot when, when wonder woman and Chris Pine are like, we got to stop this Maxwell Lord guy. If we can get him to reverse his wish, all the wishes will go. And she goes, Oh, I'm not going to do that. And then, and then goes and seduces him with her sexy cat powers. Her sexy instead cat of, body him taking advantage of her. He sees her walk in and he's like the Dean in community where he's like, Oh, this is awakening something. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> I feel like we could almost cross over in that horrible cats movie now. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder like if that last fight scene was, was uh, more brightly lit, if it would have looked more like cats, it may have done. In the end, maybe just in like, because we were wondering, like, we don't get any closure. She just becomes the Jellicle cat and goes off into space. (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's a very easy fix. Stop using CGI for cat people. Just (laughs) just. Stop just, it. <laughs> yeah, just just give them a couple bunny ears or, or cat ears, like a little, like a, like, and a little tail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're done. I'm a cute cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have been interesting in the '80s mall montage to have her like pick out a cheetah print outfit while they're all out shopping, mm. and then and then like that's the first her as the cheetah, and then as she like starts self identifying as that more, maybe the wish starts to transform her into it so that by the end she is a cat person like a little transitionary period there might have been neat i don't know she's kind of wearing a a cheetah skin jacket for a while but doesn't she buy like cheetah print high heels isn't that the something like that yeah but i I think they could have gone far tying it into the 80s mall montage that's all i'm doing here and they could have clearly made her a cat lady at home too that just to add to it you know yeah that would have (laughs) helped Yeah, she feeds it wet food, and she's like, look at you, you little apex predator. Just a little foreshadowing. This movie had a lot of conveniences and zero <laughs> foreshadowing. And a lot of those conveniences wouldn't become conveniences if they just, like, made it, hey, later we're gonna we're gonna make something go invisible. Just don't you worry. Look, we did it here. Oh, the cat lady's got a cat. Like, just tease those out a little more. Instead of just being like, oh, yeah, there's gassed up planes outside the Smithsonian ready to go <laughs> for any World War One fighter pilot to boot up and take. Yeah. And I mean, he definitely knows how to fly a modern plane. Yeah. Because they're exactly the same as World War One planes. 47% more lasso contrivances. <laughs> uh, Nathan actually points out she didn't need to turn into a cat woman. She could have just been dressed as a ch- Yeah, that would have been fine. I mean, they play fast and loose with a lot of the comic origins anyway when they get to the movie so yeah whatever is more convenient it makes more sense for the uh, for the plot i think i think you're right scott that would that would have been an easy fix she doesn't need to be a kitty Mm-mm. literally back to what i was said just drop the cg thing <laughs> just get her ears and a tail <laughs> good aaron says the cats musical opened in 1981 uh, so it was completely time appropriate Oh, she could have. They could have went on to cats. <laughs> oh my gosh! Lane also comments. Uh, it was established in the movie. You can just have. Uh, you just have to believe in yourself, and then you can fly. So, which yeah, I also was like, okay, yeah, we're we're doing. I mean, I guess if the, I guess if the the invisibility thing 
if you can will yourself into invisibility, you can will yourself into flight. But um, did she fly in the Snyder movies? I don't recall. Like in the in Zack Snyder's The Justice League or oh, just the that. Justice League in either of them. Was she tearing ass around the sky with Superman? Did she forget how to do that in the 90s? Like, I don't... <laughs> you think someone in chat remembers? Hello? <laughs> can someone, yes, can someone in the chat please remind me of um, uh, whether or not she flew in the, the Snyder movie? Sorry, we're all discussing with the Martha. I don't remember. I don't, I don't think that she... Uh... Yeah, I can't recall. I can't recall. You would have think in that four hours of Justice League, we would have seen it fly at least <laughs> yeah. once, right? <laughs> is it just one of those things where it's like, because sometimes flying characters, it's all it is, is just a matter of them entering frame from above instead of the side. Like, yeah, I didn't. I hated that flying scene so much. I uh, just like the like how the fakey the flight and the and like her trying out all the poses. Like it just yeah, it went on way was... too long, and it just yeah, it just felt far too lame i was uh yeah again love the lightning whip that was awesome yeah <laughs> yeah it's like spider-man on lightning is just weirdly more believable than flight for flight's sake but that's again one of the so i was going to comment this at the beginning and we got carried away and just while we wait for, for scott to rejoin us here hopefully uh, i'll wax uh, a little on on the nature of dc versus marvel and the one thing i try to i try to go into dc movies with is like a little grain of salt because the characters from the Marvel universe were made in the sixties or later by a genius named Stan Lee. And some of the DC characters from Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman down the whole justice league were made by people like, like in the thirties and there's like way more baggage and are way sillier. And so like having either you just forget that she has an invisible jet or that he's like got crypto, the super dog or, or, you know, any of the like very dumb, you know, the like that's why there's no Batman movie where he's got a giant penny, you right? Like, it's just not. It doesn't translate to film, and so I, I try not to to hold the DC movies to too high a standard because the source material they have to work with is way dumber. Like, <laughs> so I, I begrudge them not for like trying to to, to shoehorn in a, a flying jet. I will say though that the Wonder Woman comics in the '80s by George Perez. Those were really top notch, and I think if they pulled more stories and just concepts from there, and and rolled, just went with it, I think it would have been like a definitely more solid movie, like or mm -hmm. just like better source materials. Because basically, after Crisis happened, Wonder Woman's completely rewritten. So, so there's a perfect launching point to have like modernized Wonder Woman. You yeah, know. and you don't have to chew on any '80s stuff because the whole thing's already set in the '80s. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. What was what made the the like? What did they reboot after Crisis? After Crisis on um, Infinite Earths? For those that don't, I'm trying to remember now what was the differences. I think they they changed it so she could fly, and they ditched the invisible plane in the 80s, actually. Um, and then Ares became that's when Ares became like one of her main adversaries, much more so. But that that was like way more badass, like than the way they portrayed it in the first movie. I would say. Like mm -hmm. he wasn't just some like English dude, random English dude. I was like, oh, by Hi. the way, I'm the <laughs> God of War, you know, that kind of thing. Um, oh, I and, just uh, sorry, I just they, had they a blackout. Just, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. Well, that's exciting. Just in time to just in time to wrap it up. <laughs> okay, uh, but real quick, uh, something else they did in oh, the yes, 80s please. with Wonder Woman. Yeah, um, she she can kill. 
and that's where and then that's where a lot of her like her really like started carrying around like the shield and the axe and like a, the battle armor a lot of that came started oh, coming from that. So she became yeah. kind of much more uh vigilante-ish i guess well the more warrior amazon-y kind of thing oh yeah. no blackout again a rolling blackout just around the block though of course um, during the live show <laughs> yeah like i thought she was just gonna kill when she's like i'm sorry i have to do this i'm like damn is she gonna kill Kristen wig and then no that's true yeah yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah, with it. yeah. In the eighties, you can people. throw her chair and it lobs people's heads off. Wowzers! <laughs> yeah. <amazing. laughs> we don't see that yet, but Spider Verse. I, 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 I did, I did not know that darker. about Wonder Woman at all. I did not know that it got that dark. That's incredible. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, she went into like like the deepest pits of Hades and stuff like that, right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was like you may need so to pick good. up some Wonder Woman comic books now. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for vamping uh, for the crowd while I was uh, waiting for my computer and internet to reset because we had a weird brownout um, while we're doing the live show. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to get, yeah, we kept it going. We just talked about Crisis on Infinite Earths. Didn't, didn't <laughs> even miss me. When I reach back, I'm like, <laughs> my, my copy of Crisis on Infinite Earths is like just this far out of reach if I want to keep my headphones on. Oh, nice. Yeah. But Wonder Woman's barely in Crisis. Everything You're happens right. with hers after Crisis, pretty much. I just love the way George Perez draws the end of the world. It's just a white void <sighs> coming for the horizon. Yeah, it's so, so, so when I see When I see overcast days, that's what it makes me think of. Well, you can think of it this way. When you think of Wonder Woman, it's a direct sequel of Crisis, because it's still George Perez keeps going. Yeah. Speaking of the horizon, we should uh, we should wrap her up, eh? Indeed, yes. Now okay. Scott's back, and we're we're talking horizon. So this it's is uh, this has been now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we watched it literally. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Stephanie, for joining us yeah, while the sunset. So you you got to watch us and the sunset, and it was uh, just a perfect combination. What a beautiful um, night! Please, uh, tell us, yeah, yeah. Tell us more about where we can find you on the internet and uh, the real world. Oh, for sure. Okay, so first of all, we mentioned earlier foamarmory.com. That's my uh, foam armor website. Um, that, that that went crazy viral all of a sudden, and um, we'll be hopefully hopefully we'll be able to attend cons, assuming things open up as normal. We don't know yet. We'll see how things go with this Delta variant and things. Um, you can also find my comics blog that I actually didn't mention earlier, and I should have. It's called Smash Pages or SmashPages.net, and uh, we care. We just kind of talk about like you know new comic things coming out like and there's a, there's a little bit like discussion and reviews and things like that i'm one of the founders and administrators there and um where else am i just if you look up my name stephanie chan it's super common but i own most of the handles at least on twitter and um and instagram so there you go so at stephanie chan yeah pretty much perfect well, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I yeah, have so a, a total blast, and it's, yeah, it's just so nice. Yeah, and I haven't like like me and like me and Greg have been friends for for a couple of decades now, and it's just it's just so nice to like you know just chill out and like, geek out together too. Incredible, and thank you everyone in chat for chilling out and geeking out with us uh, in the chat. It wouldn't be a live show without you. It would just be a very circuitous way to record an episode. Uh, so, uh, if you haven't already, please follow us on social media. Uh, give us a review on all those places you get your podcast. This will, I believe, be up as a podcast at some point. Subscribe whenever it asks you to subscribe to us and to other things, but mostly us. At I have some notes on all the social media places.
Yeah, we are a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, and uh, we are fellow members with a lot of great podcasts. You know who wasn't a really good dad in this movie? Maxwell Lord. You want to know what he might have been able to learn from? The Modern Manhood Podcast, where Herman Viegas uh, interviews guests who offer varied perspectives on modern manhood and masculinity in general. And uh, you can check that out along with all of the other member podcasts right now, albertapodcastnetwork.com. And uh, season's over. This is the end of season six, and it's it's easily been the longest uh, season we've had. And we get th- <laughs> thank you uh, so so much for tuning in tonight. This has been awesome. This went way better yeah. than I was ever hoping for. So thank <laughs> you so much for coming and, and chatting with us. I, we really really appreciate it. And thank you for listening uh, throughout uh, the last year. I know it's been a tough one for everyone, and um, um, we're glad to have provided everybody with a, a little bit of escapism uh every couple of weeks so uh, uh, we hope that uh, it helped and and thank you for for pri- providing us with that escape escapism by commenting and, and sharing your thoughts about movies because it's it's just awesome so thank you so much uh for those of you who are in the chat you can stick around after uh we're done because we will do a little Q&A with you if you want to stick around and ask us questions. Uh, that includes, I'm, I assume I'm speaking for Stephanie. If you have questions for her, she'd be happy to answer them too. And that will be just for you for tuning in tonight. Everybody who tunes into the podcast does not get that. This is where it ends. <laughs> Goodbye, yes. good night. <laughs> Next on the old listening app. <laughs> Great. So, Oh, until, uh, yes, yeah. until then, I have been your... Yes, I gotta say goodbye to me. Uh, <laughs> until then, I've been your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies. Keep watching the skies.